Well, hey, good morning, guys. Uh, my name is Keith Harrington, and I'm pastor at Rock Harbor Church, and good, good friends with Brandon and a lot of your team here. Uh, Brandon wanted me to uh, just say, kind of do my own intro, and so he said, here's a couple things I'd like for you to say. Keith is uh, one of my um, dearest mentors. Um, Keith is very humble. Keith is quite possibly the most intelligent man I've ever met. <laughs> Keith is a physical specimen. And then I can't read the rest of his writing, but that's what, that's what I've, that's what I got so far. So, um, no, I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to be here with you guys. We're going to hand out some Bibles. So if you'd like one, if you just raise your hand up, they'll get one out to you. They may throw one. The guy's got a good arm. Um, but we'd love to get a Bible out to you and you can turn on your phones as well. We're going to be in the book of Philemon, which is, uh, it's one book and we're going to study it all in one day. It's, don't worry, it's one chapter. And uh, there's some confusing things in it, so I'll just hit the things that I can cover. And then Brent will come and follow up next week with what I missed. And so, uh, but just a great uh, book of the Bible. But I want to start by apologizing a little bit, because for some of you, you thought Brent was going to be back speaking this week, so it's going to be a letdown um, from the get-go. I wanted to let you know, um, he's uh, definitely a great teacher, a good friend of mine. He's, he's very, very good looking. And I was preparing my mind to, to be able to be here and... Uh, one of the funny things, I was thinking about our relationship, we've known each other for over 10 years, and we did student ministry together uh, here in town. We do co- some camps and some things like that, and we really, uh, we went to a middle school camp one time where our, our middle school leaders were running it and everything, and we were just supposed to be there to make sure that people didn't do anything stupid, and so uh, we were helping out, but we just messed around literally the whole time, stayed up late, and acted very childish, and we connected at a high level that week. We shared a little... <laughs> sweaty cabin and enjoyed our time. We actually um, ended up with some great uh, relationship and prayer time that, that forged our relationship that we, we enjoy now. But while we were um, doing um, middle school and are at that middle school camp and doing student ministry together, God began to do some things in our life over the next couple of years. And our timeline for church planting was very, very similar. Um, so as Rev 22 launched, Rock Harbor was about three months behind which some people would say, hey, they're, they're ahead of you, they're winning the race, and it was actually very intelligent because what they did, they did a lot of work, and we just copied them. And so it, it was great. Um, they, they were like, they did the research on, you know, the banners. I remember that, like, to the T. They did the research on banners and how do we, like, tell people we're actually meeting and those kind of things. They did a website, we copied it. It was really, worked really well for our church. And... <laughs> Um, Karen and Jake, they, they did graphics, and so their banner, our banner looks just like yours. We just, a couple of letters changed, and it, it was great. We even shared communion trays from the very beginning. You guys bought them, these <laughs> suckers. You guys bought communion trays, and we came over on Thursday night and would borrow them once a month or wh- however often we were, we were doing them. We're like, you're doing ter- communion on the 21st? Dang it, we're doing it on the 28th, so can we borrow them? Um, it was the Holy Spirit was leading <laughs> at the beginning. Um, or the budgets were. I remember we were talking like, you're not getting paid either? No, this is awesome. You know, God's going to have to provide for our families. This is great. And, um, but it's been a, it's been a great journey to, to enjoy that with you guys. And um, just uh, Brent asked me probably three months ago about coming today. And so I'm like, okay, this is a little different. I'm from suburbia in North Meridian, long, long ways out, clear out there. Um, and I was just preparing my mind because I'm like, okay, this is downtown. Out in suburbia, we drive minivans. You guys ride your bike, you know, to the church. And uh, it's still different. So I started growing a beard three months ago to fit in. Um, <laughs> and I hope this works. I hope this works today. So 
Um, but uh, today, what's cool about the passage we're in, it's, it's, it's about being useful. It's about God using someone and God doing something very special in, in an individual's life, and we get to walk um, that journey um, in it. And all joking aside, being able to see the work that God has done in Rev 22 has been great. Um, wait, one more funny thing. Okay, I was out on Friday night. Sorry, I have problems with attention. Um, but I was out on Friday night, I mean, partying it up at the village. Um, I was out there just trying to get some overpriced froyo, and this guy comes up to me and goes, hey, I hadn't seen this guy in probably eight years. He goes, hey, didn't you start a church downtown? I was like, no. He goes, yeah, you know, Revelation 21. And I'm like, no, but I know the guy that did. You know, I'm out in, in, in Meridian, but that was cracking me up. So anyways, back to this, what we were trying to get into. In all seriousness about um, the church and the, the leadership and what God has begun here, some of you have been here for maybe weeks or some have been here for years. I believe that God, when he does a special work, there's kind of three criteria that he probably works through often that I've seen, and that's where you have the right soil, the right hearts for him to do a special work, the right season. It's got to be the right season for him to do it, and the right seed. And I don't want to go into a lot of details about that, but I just want to tell you about the right seed. It comes down to the right people. It's usable people willing to let God do something great through them. And that's what I've seen. So as you come in today, and for some of you, you've been coming, but you, you, you've been maybe in the last 10 weeks and you've seen Brent around or you've seen some of the team. And uh, there's some incredible seed that's being sown into downtown here and throughout the community, because I know some of you guys commute in to be here. And I love the community. You got your serve Sunday coming up in just a few weeks. Like God is doing a very special thing. And it's because of the right seed being placed in the soil that's in this area. Um, I look at our church and we're, we're able to reach a lot of families. That's what suburbia is. I mean, we cater to the minivan and those kind of things. But um, what I see here and the, the youthfulness and just the heart and the, um, just being able to worship with you guys, I'm very, very grateful for. So let's pray and um, we'll kick into um, Philemon here. God, I'm so grateful for the chance to be able to, to be here today and for us to just be one. We're um, blessed with a community with a different churches, um, but one clear gospel. It ministers in, in, in every way possible and through every tongue and through every uh, personality. Uh, today, as we, as we dive into your word, I pray it would, become, it would come alive for us. And it may not be a word that I say. It may be uh, something that is, a, is the message coming out just through our time of reading scripture and even a distracted thought that can um, bring forth fruit. We just ask your hand over that and we ask in your name. Amen. On well, uh, Philemon 1, we're going to start there. Uh, this is a letter from Paul, um, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and our fellow, fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. And so this beginning letter from Paul, he's writing to a man by the name of Philemon about somebody named Onesimus. Okay, that sounds like the typical um, kind of brother, friend of a friend of a friend, but we'll, we'll get to that. So he, as he's beginning this, um, he's writing to a church that meets in a house. And I know some of the roots of, of, of this church met in a house, and uh, we met in a house and went to Sunday nights, and now we're on Sunday mornings in a school. But it's, it's kind of 
what we also would know as community groups or small groups, whatever, life groups, um, what you guys may call them. Are there any life groups leader here? Would you guys raise your hand if you happen to lead a life group at your house or somebody else's house or at McDonald's <laughs> Playland? <laughs> okay, so these guys, we owe a debt of gratitude to. They open their home. We trash their stuff. Um, I know now that Bren's back, they'd love to reimburse you for anything that's, you know, food that's been taken, things have been stolen, stuff like that. But you see what's, what's going on here is he's wanting to show this appreciation for the sacrifice that's being poured out to build this church. And I think there's, there's a level of honor that's due for those of you who, who are stepping out and saying, hey, I want to give more than just... Uh, by attending. I want to give by truly owning and partnering in this mission. I'm opening my home. I'm opening my life, my time, my resources to, to sow into this. Um, you guys are a portable church, you know, in a couple of weeks, uh, summer's over and reality hits and everything gets tore down, right? And we got to get back into the grind of things. We're portable out at Rocky Mountain. And it's like the, I mean, there's churches that do portable church and they buy these really nice boxes and everything's great, right? Ours is like the Beverly Hillbillies, okay? We stack things, we strap things. I mean, we got carpet going. It looks it's bad, okay? But for God's glory, it works. And um, you just see that this is what they're taught. It was messy. What was beginning here in this letter that's being written is to some messiness that's taken place. And what we do know is Philemon is a church leader. So he's champion. He's leading the, uh, the gospel kind of charge in this area. Uh, verse 3 uh, through 7, that's, it really addresses this hard work and faithfulness. But I want to pick up in eight, it says, that's why I'm boldly asking a favor of you, that I can demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer to simply ask you. This is him saying, like, I could totally demand of you because I'm flipping Paul, okay? <laughs> like, I can do that, but I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share a few things, and then I might pull the Paul card in just a minute. It's kind of like when your mom asks you to do something, but she ain't asking. She's telling, okay? So he said, I could do that, but I'm going to give you a, a chance to respond. He says, consider this as a, as a request from Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ. So he figured he would throw that in too. Hey, don't forget I'm old. And by the way, I'm in, I'm in chains right now. But I'm not going to play the Paul card. <laughs> he kind of is. Um, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. So this is a servant. Uh, Onesimus was a servant who, who served underneath Philemon, but for some reason bailed and was gone. And now Paul is going on his behalf. Somewhere, apparently, Onesimus has stolen or he has um, been dishonest about some money or something, probably financially or, or, or whatever, but he's running away from his master. He's running away from this work that he was supposed to be doing and has now run into Paul, and now Paul is going on his behalf. In fact, Onesimus fled from where he was, and he went to Rome. It's kind of like if you're from a small town, and everybody knows all everything that's going on. I think there's some country songs about that, um, but they know everything that's going on that you go to the big city, and then you can kind of hide amongst the population, which is why maybe some of you are here in Boise. I'm out in Meridian where everybody knows our junk, um, but you guys here, you can live under the radar. Um, but but all of a sudden, he runs into Paul, and they've got this relationship that's forging, and Paul is now, I mean, Onesimus has become a believer. He's following Jesus, and now Paul is going on his behalf to help reconcile some of this relationship. He's, Onesimus has surrendered his life uh, to Christ. I love how it says, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. 
And I've been blessed in my life, and maybe you have, and maybe this is a time of introspection. I think too often we pass from one thing to the next, that we forget the people that have sowed into our life. And I, that's why I thought it was important to mention the seed, um, because as a church at four and a half years old, maybe we are used to coming, and now there's all these ministries, there's people that are serving, and we see growth, and there's multiple. It sounds like there's been different worship teams, like literally every week you guys are blessed with incredible, incredible musicians that we just think it just kind of happens. And there was some like sincere faith journey that God began and has continued in this process that that debt of gratitude is, is due um, in our lives. I think back to people who invested in my life as a child. I often forget that my parents are part of that. <laughs> you know, you kind of want to remember the people that you enjoyed being around, <laughs> you know, that poured into you spiritually at a camp. <laughs> but um, for me, I just look back and there's a debt of gratitude that's owed. And, and Paul is saying, I'm his father in the faith and I want to go on 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 his behalf uh, to, to encourage here. Um, this is discipleship at its finest. Uh, discipleship, that's a word that can be often confused, and I feel like it, part of our calling as followers of Jesus is to redefine that word. Because to say, like, I'm a disciple sounds like you're part of a cult. <laughs> you know, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and we meet in a school downtown. That's like, oh, weird, okay. Um, but the truth is, is when you step back from it and look, it just means mentorship. It means guiding in the faith. It means standing um, for him when he didn't know what he believed or what it was about. And even in a hard time when he was running away from this opportunity to grow. At Rock Harbor, um, our, our mission statement is to love and lead one another to be devoted followers of Jesus. And it's that loving and leading. And if you've ever been in a mentoring relationship spiritually, the mentor, the mentor, like both grow even at the same pace. It's not like, here's what I got, let me give it to you, young, you know, young lad. It's, it's a, that opportunity for us to grow together. And that's why in our, in our mission, it's to love and lead one another, that it really, it's not hierarchical. It's in, in arms with one another to be devoted followers of Jesus. And how we define discipleship is relationships plus intentionality towards Jesus. So it's relationships. I mean, you guys love God, love others relationships plus intentionality towards Jesus is discipleship. And it can often get confusing and we feel like, well, if I would just learn a little bit more, then I can disciple better. If I would just, you know, maybe I could, if, if I get more like biblical education, then I can be better. And Paul is saying, I believe that Onesimus in the state that he's in right now has a bunch of use for the gospel. He's going on his behalf in that. Verse 11 says, Onesimus hasn't been much of use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my very own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching and preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. That's honorable. I mean, this is Paul. Paul can say, I want him to serve here, I mean, this is that, that feeling of really letting God do his work. In our life as a church, and I wasn't planning to share this, but I'm going to share a little bit. In our life as a church, we're planning another church six miles south of us that we're sending out in about three weeks. And there's about 300 people sending out. We're trying to send it out as a fully functioning church from finances to resources to volunteers, like everything. When it starts, it's like literally church in a box, and they can build community from the get-go. With that, uh, that's a, that sounds like really cool. Like, oh, that's awesome. Other than the fact that people I love dearly are leaving. 
you know? If I got to pick the people, that would be a lot better. Like, you can have that one. I mean, I'm not kidding. There's people I'd love to send. There's people I've sent to Rev 22, like Phil right here. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. His dad serves on our elder team. I just mess with him. Um, but in that, it's that, I mean, do you hear what he's saying here? I, d- I don't want to do anything without your consent. I want, I want him to recognize this spiritual leadership, not a weird, like, covering, like, I'm your, I'm your sensei in the gospel. You need to talk to this sensei before you come to this sensei. It's nothing like that. It's more of, like, I want to be honorable. And I think that there's a process of even sending out. He says, I want... I wanted you to, to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. There's freedom in, in delivering, distributing, and serving Jesus. He says, it seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. There's some parents in here that maybe you've, um, I did that a lot to kids. I, I have six. It's irresponsible, I know, but I've, I've done that a lot. But... But there, there's, a, there's some parents in here that maybe you've had in your life, you've had a child that has went wayward, and this verse has never ringed more true. Maybe your prayer is that they would come back to relationship. Maybe this isn't a friend. It seems that you've lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. See, that in between, I mean, that's one sentence. We don't know how many months, how many years this delay of Onesimus running has taken place. And maybe you've had those relationships in your life that maybe you've given it too much focus. You wanted so much for those people to receive you back in their lives or for you to be forgiven or for them, them to apologize for what they've done. So there's some gaps in here that I can't fill in how to perfectly reconcile in relationships. You can talk to Debbie, get her about that. I have her number and I can get you a card. Um, She's helped me through some things. She's around here somewhere and she prayed over me earlier. So hopefully I don't you know, I honor her um, in this, but she has helped me in how to, how to reconcile in my life as well. But what I do know is that in those times of in-between, you need to remember that Christ is, is fighting for you and fighting, fighting around you to be restored so that you could have him back forever. So we've got this, this, this runaway servant who's taken off, and then now Paul is standing in the gap for this. A lot of people think that this runaway servant, that they, he might have met Paul in prison because of the lifestyle he was living in Rome, that, that maybe it was the way he was living, it got him into prison, that he ran into Paul, or two, that someone said, dude, you need to meet Paul, and took him to Paul, or someone knew that Paul knew Philemon, and they're helping to reconcile that way. Either way, they've come in contact with each other. Onesimus was absolutely wasting his life, and he's running from this responsibility. And the truth is, in order for him to go where God was calling him to go in his life, he had to take a step back because he had something anchoring him. I'm not going to say much more than that, but does that personally apply to any of you? If it does, would you raise your hand? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Um, But if maybe in your life you feel like God is starting to move you in a direction, but you have some things in your past or some relationships that have been vexed that need to be worked on, an apology needs to be had, some kind of restoration needs to take place for God to fully get blessing on what's going ahead in your life. That's a hard thing, but it's a necessary thing. And Paul is telling us this is how biblically we can begin to handle some things. So don't waste our life running. How many of you people like actually like to physically run? Like you enjoy physically running? Okay, 
I hate running. Okay, like I have a bumper sticker on my car. Some of you got like, you know, 26.2. Like I hate running. I mean, I'm a beast on the elliptical, but I cannot like pavement. I'm allergic to, I think. It's just, it's obnoxious. And so um, some of you get joy out of punishing yourself. Some of you, it's, it's, it's relaxing. I, I, I just cuss. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, but you, you think about, this idea of running, it's a lot of work to run. We often think it's a lot of work to submit and to own, but some of us work harder at running, running away from something. I used to work with teenagers, Brent and I do fundraisers. Oh my gosh, fun, there's no fun in it. There's no fun in fundraising with teenagers. I'm not kidding. I mean, they work harder at not working than working. Um, that the adults raised a lot of money for our youth ministry is what I think happened. Um, but I just, that idea of running, that idea of trying to get out of work, and there's often there's a lot of opportunities that can take place in our life, but opportunity is dressed in overalls and works, it looks a lot like hard work. I don't know, I think Thomas Edison might have said that, or like somebody like Jesus might have said that too. I don't know. But it's work. Opportunity in your life, if you want that, you've got to be willing to work for it, and we have to stop running from one thing. And we have to begin to, to own some other things. And one thing that I want to make known is that in, in historical passages, and as you look, I think Onesimus was a father as far as I can tell. Think about that. Think about the example that's being set there. Dad does something he shouldn't do, and he flees to a big city away from that, dragging kids through all that. And uh, me being a dad... It's easier for me to pick on other dads. Me being a man, it's easier for me to, you know, kind of poke at other guys and just say, hey, you know, are you running from something as a dad because you're leading people with you and you may be dragging your kids and your, your spouse and other people around because of your running. And I look at this and I, my heart just breaks for Onesimus. Why is, he, why is he doing that? And it's easy for me to point and go, bud, just stop, stop running. But I'm just like him. The ways that I find myself running is oftentimes I blame other people. You know, I blame. Here's why I'm acting this way. Here's how I'm, why I'm behaving this way. This is what they did. Um, I mean, maybe you, in, your, in your home, some of you guys have families and stuff like that, or you grew up in a house where you just blame your sibling, right? Oh, it was them, you know? It's that blame, being lame. That's dumb. I shouldn't have said that. But it's... Um, but it's, it, maybe you have a spouse like that that, you know, blames the kids. I, I've done that a few times. Um, but it's, it's that idea of it's someone else's fault. Another thing that I find myself doing is escapism, where I try to, um, if I can just get out of the situation, if we would just go on vacation, you know, if I could just get a seven-week sabbatical, if I could get a seven-week sabbatical from ministry and escape from my church, my annoying church, it's all their fault. It's not my spiritual problem. It's their fault, you know, and get away and then even get a three-week re-entry back into it. You know what I mean? That's what I'm, that's what I really feel like God wants me to do. Sorry, dude. <laughs> that felt good to actually verbalize. I've been thinking that for like three months, like I need a sabbatical. So yeah, um, I don't even know where I'm at. That was too good. Um, and real, that was real talk. Hashtag real talk. Um, but just the idea of escapism, you think if we could just get a vacation together, hun, everything's going to be better. Like, let's just get the kids to Disney or what? I mean, do, do you know Disney brings the Satan out of everyone? Like, it can happen. You think by getting away, it's going to get better. Let's get to a tropical destination. It's going to make, sometimes it just sedates us for a week and we come right back into it. 
I've seen uh, couples that have struggled. I've seen men that retire from work and they're exhausted and all the stress that is happening, it's always work's fault. You know, it's work's fault that they're stressed out. And then all of a sudden that work is gone and they get a motor home and they cage that anger up in about 300 square feet and park it next to the Grand Canyon. You know, it wasn't work, it was you. You were running from owning the fact that there's an anger problem and you're gonna take it out on something else. It's not just the people you work with. It's not just, hey, if we just move to a new place, we try to escape from that. And we do the same thing by delaying our obedience. Sometimes in my life, I, you know, you start feeling God moving you and that delayed obedience, it's actually disobedience. I've heard that a lot over my life. I don't know if it's a common message that people feel like they need to tell me or if it's just something that God wants to keep at the forefront of my mind that, Keith, don't delay the obedience in the things that I've called you out in. It doesn't, you know, if you have children, um, if you babysit your aunt and uncle, when you ask the kid to do something, like anything past about two seconds is disobedience. It's like, no, I'm gonna get to it. You're, you're saying, I want to see you obey what I've asked you to do right now. And God gives us things that often we in, ignore the Holy Spirit's leadership in our life because of our own schedule or the fact that we're running in a different direction. I want to take um, just a couple minutes to personalize this by age demographic in here. Okay, so you're going to have to participate by just raising your hand. Um, how many of you guys are 18 and under? 18 and under. Okay, a couple 18 and unders back here. So there's some lies that are marketed to you guys specifically. It's in the area, your lie is time and age. The lie that's given to you is, hey, you have all the time in the world, and because of your age, you can only do so much at your age. Like once you get a little bit older, then people respect you a little bit more. Once you get more education or more experience, then you can have a place. Like you're not the church now, just so you know, I want you to know. You're not the church now. You're the church of the future. Okay, those are some of the lies. I, didn't, I wasn't really saying that. She's upset. She's like... <laughs> Uh, I was like pretending I was Satan for a minute, okay? Um, So that's a lie that's marketed to you that, hey, if you, you know, in just a few years, you're going to have some opportunity to do something more more for God. Um, What about single adults or young married? Who would say I'm young married or a single adult? Okay. Okay, here's the lie um, for you. It's time and circumstance. Hey, you have all the time in the world. You need to invest right now in your education. Once you get your education then you can go a little bit further. Hey, once you settle down, I mean, you're just young married, you need to pour into each other right now. You're the mo- you need to be one another's God of your, each other's life, okay? You need to focus on that. You can't lose this marriage. You gotta focus and, and continue to build that. Once the kids come, then things will settle down a little bit. It's that time and circumstance that's a lie that lives all around you. Um, what about, you would say, you're right in the family area. You got kids at home, you would consider yourself kind of that family age, okay? These guys, I feel really bad for this crew right here. <laughs> this guy plays drums because he literally is like playing drums, you know? <laughs> I don't know. What's your name? Thank you for playing. Okay, and th- just take the aggression out. You know, don't put it in an RV. I mean, just take it out on a drum kit, okay? Um, but it's that whole, your, your lie is time and busyness. Man, we don't have any time. We are so busy. There's always another sign-up for your kid to become an all-star somehow, some way, right? There's that other thing we got to do, and everybody else is doing these things that that time and busyness really takes over your life, and you find yourself going, man, as soon as the kids get out of the house or whatever, uh, we're starting a series in a couple weeks at Rock Harbor called It's, it's, uh, it's Just a Phase. How many times have you said that as parents? Like, it's just a phase. We just got to get through it. But the closing of that statement is this. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. 
that you may miss out on the greatest moments in the life of your kids because you're just thinking, man, once they would just start walking, why can't they just feed themselves? Then you're like, why don't they stop eating all of my food? It just, it's always a phase that continues to go. But that time and busyness is the lie. We, we would do more if we weren't so busy. Who would say you're empty nesters or older? Like you don't have kids in the house or you would consider yourself older. Okay. Right back there. Does Bryn live at home? No? Not anymore. Okay. That's good. That's good. I didn't know what sabbatical meant. I didn't know if that meant living off your parents. I wasn't sure exactly. So, but... <laughs> This is really fun. I've wanted, to, I've wanted to destroy Bryn for four years. He spoke at Rock Harbor two times, you know, and just, just worked me over. So this is payback. But if you're empty nests or older, you know what your lie is? Time and age. 18-year-olds, what was your lie? What was your lie, 18-year-olds? Yeah, time and age, same thing. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird how Satan does that? He starts it in one thing. You're never going to, you're not old enough, you need to wait. And then when you get older, he says, no, time and age. The time's past you. And because of your age, I don't know the value that maybe you have to sow into it. And I just want to tell you guys what I'm, I'm blessed to be able to see here and know from the beginning and knowing your, not just your pastor's heart, but the leadership here's heart is to see the generational ministry. I remember the conversations with Brent from the very beginning is we want seasoned elders. We want seasoned leadership. We know the demographic and where we're going to be. That's probably going to be a lot of younger people, but we need seasoned people in our life, sages that will speak into us. But recognize that every phase that you're at, you're going to experience a lie. Something telling you like, hey, you have all the time or you don't have enough time or your time has passed. Onesimus has let a lot of time pass. He's wasted a lot of days running. And now he has a friend that's pleading on his behalf, pleading on his behalf to stop running. My wife and I got to go with our kids last summer to Yellowstone, and we wanted to go so bad because about 16 years prior, we got the chance to go as a young couple. And so we had never been, and and we got to go 16 years ago, but our kids hadn't been, and we just wanted to share it with them. Uh, uh, That's (laughs) Hotel Harrington right there. That's that's our house on wheels. that God bless us with, and we got to put eight people in there. Not legal at all, but I don't care. Um, we had a good time, and we also crammed 10 bikes inside of that, okay? That's how dumb we are, um, but it was a great time, but we got to enjoy our time there. Um, reflecting and sharing stories with our kids of what we got to see and taking them to places that we got to go to. Uh, when we were newly married, we were married about a year, and we had just moved up here, up here, and we decided to do Yellowstone in one day because we didn't have any money and we could only afford a Jackson Hole for one night. And so we got there and we did the entire loop in one day. It was like this. Hey, look, there's an amazing creation of God. And then we just keep driving because we had the circle to go. I'm not kidding. We're like, yeah, it looks pretty neat from the road. <laughs> you know, just keep going. Look, Buffalo, you know, go. And uh, we did get to Old Faithful, and I'm like, we got to stop here. This is a really big deal. And we get into that big visitor center, which now is just even more ridiculous. But back then, it was ridiculous. We get in that center, and it says, it's going to guise, or whatever it does, explode, <laughs> birth, um, <laughs> whatever happens there. It says it's going to happen at 1012. And I go, honey, it's 1011. We booked it. We're like, get out there. It's going to go. You know, we get all the way out there. That was a good form, Keith. Um, <laughs> So we get all the way out there. We're going, and, and this is, we're like 
Old Faithful takes off. This is before selfies were selfies and cool. This is like an actual camera that you had to develop the film to know that you did cut your head off and it was a horrible picture. So, and you weren't looking at the camera, right? So we're out there. My wife is wearing not overalls or not shorts, short alls. You know what I'm talking about? Like short alls, one down. What's up, girl? That's how she's wearing those. I've got like an oversized polo. I, it's horrid, but we got a picture. And it's starting to, like, it, it takes off at first, and it starts to go slower. I'm like, honey, there are 2,000 people here right now looking at this thing. You realize they're all going to their car after this? Let's go. So we book it before Old Faithful's even done, because we got places to go. We got to see all of Yellowstone one day. We take off. And what I did notice is that if there's ever any wildlife, you know it, because every car is pulled over, right? So I had a great idea. Let's fake a wildlife sighting. And so I pull off. I get, we had one of those video cameras that you held like this, you know, or whatever. And so I get out of the car, pull over. There's plenty of room for people to pull over. I was so excited. My wife was humiliated. I get out of the car, I'm like. <laughs> and I'm getting all excited. And she's like, oh, my word. In the car, and I'm like, this is awesome, you know. And then people, ur, 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 pulling over. Everybody's looking. They're looking at me. I'm like, they're thinking I have, like, like. Karen Zoom, you know, like, look, you can see it like 70 miles away, you know, and they're all looking, then I hop in the car and take off, and she's like, you are horrible, <laughs> like, I'm creating a traffic accident, you know, and I'm just loving it, it's Yellowstone, this is great, take off, the bad part about that is when you get to the next thing, you see everybody that you faked out, you're like, oh, hello, you know, it's awkward, it's an awkward prank, okay, but I loved it, and it was fun, and I tell you that for one reason is because so many of us pull our life over all the time and we gaze out into and we invest in looking and chasing after things everybody else is. We pour our life into busyness. I don't know what Onesimus got caught up in. I don't know if it was a group of friends or a group of people, but it takes an actual discipline and a surrender to the Holy Spirit in your life to stop and to say, I'm not going to chase what everybody else is chasing. You know what we have right now? There's a new school year that's about to start, and it doesn't matter if you're young or old. There's something about going into a new season that you have some decisions on how you're going to live maybe the next semester or the next year or the next few months of your life. What are you going to commit to? What are you going to sign up for? What are you going to be involved in? What's your time and your schedule going to look like? And if you're running, I plead for you to stop running. Stop running. 